This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Looking over the stash I got in front of me, by the way, it's Vince with you on this edition of the RR Show. We've got two stories that we're going to kick it off with from r slash petty revenge. Then we're going to dive into nuclear revenge, a little bit of malicious compliance, and we'll wrap things up with two tales, one from retail, one from tech support. So let's begin this episode of the RR Show right now. Posted by user Annie24CL, that's A-N-I-24CL. The title is, Petty Revenge of Eight-Year-Old Me Took a Bigger Turn Than the One I Expected. When I was eight years old, in my grade was another girl who was not liked by many peers. She was mean and stuck up, and she would make some mean-spirited pranks on others. I was regularly on bad terms with her. Once, I got very sick with a respiratory illness and needed an inhaler and rest. When allowed back to school, I was an excuse from the gym class and had my inhaler with me. At the end of the day, the girl took my inhaler and told me she'll give it back if I ran five times around the football field, which I did. I ended up crying as I couldn't breathe properly. My mom called her mom to tell her about the prank and she got grounded. But it wasn't enough for me, and I decided to go for indirect vengeance. The girl loved makeup. She would steal it from other girls and say she found it around. I had a set of lip gloss I was given for my birthday, but I wasn't allowed to use it. I took the pink one and emptied half of it. I refilled it with a bright pink nail polish, one that was very hard to get off and usually left the nails tainted for many days. I also put some glue drops in it and mixed it all together. The next day, I put the lip gloss next to the girl's backpack when no one was looking. She found it, claimed it was hers as she found it on the floor, and put it on her lips. Now my evil childish plan was that the lip gloss wouldn't come off as easily and that she'll be scolded by teachers and her mom as the school has a no makeup policy but she got her lips stuck together as we were in an hour-long class, and she was sitting in the back. At the end of the class, she started to freak out and cry with her mouth shut closed. The teacher sent her to the nurse, who used alcohol and some nail remover, which worked out, but her lips were badly cracked, terribly red and sore. For the next few weeks, she had problems with her lips, as she still tried to have chips and salty snacks, which caused a lot of pain and she was upset about the look of her mouth. 
To top it all, she was scolded for using lip gloss at school. No one tracked lip gloss back to me. It was left as someone just lost a toxic and cheap lipstick, and the girl just took it. The rules became more strict about not bringing makeup to school. All right, so continuing with r slash petty revenge from user Wikimpendodia, we've got I can't sell food. Fine, I'll sell the plates then. Fourteen-year-old me was a menace to society. She had her fair share of respect for authority and rules, but if you tried to impose a ridiculous rule on her and she found the tiniest of loopholes, she'd exploit it to kingdom come. Set the scene. I'm in middle school and it's almost Easter. So every class is putting up a kiosk for a bazaar. You're allowed to sell anything, you know, legal obviously, crafts, pastries, art, etc. My class wanted to make some money to fund a trip. I've always liked cooking and making desserts, so I offered to make crepes for us to sell. I get up in a godly hour every morning and make them to make sure they're fresh. I wear gloves and a hairnet and make sure to sanitize everything to ensure it was safe. A classmate brings bananas because his dad owns a grocery store. Someone else brings honey their relatives sent to them because they live in a rural area, etc. You get the point, team effort. We are up and running in no time and making mad at bank. At lunch break, we always have a huge queue of kids waiting to buy our crepes. Unfortunately, that means the other kiosks aren't getting as much business. We're on good terms with most of the kids from the other kiosks, and they're chill about it. One kiosk has more traffic than others because they're giving out one to two homemade cookies with every purchase. So after a few days, the girls from the cookie kiosk come over to us along with the headmaster. He says that we can't sell food anymore because it's unfair to the other kiosks. I point out that the girls are also giving out cookies to which he replies, you can give out whatever you want for free, including food, but you can't sell it. That's unfair competition. Again, if he had shut it down because of a health concern, we would have dropped it at the bat of an eye. Health is no joke. But claiming that it was unfair competition, that we had a good business, that just didn't sit right with me. Everyone else was free to do what we were doing. I kept thinking about what he said, and you can see where this is going, right? We were serving the crepes on those generic white paper plates. So I buy a food safe marker, flip some plates over and start doodling. And some classmates with a knack for art start following suit. We mostly did cartoon and anime characters. Then I hang some plates up around our kiosk and change our sign to cartoon character art, plus a crepe of your choice with every purchase. And then we're back in business. Just like clockwork, the cookie kiosk girls are back at our kiosk with the headmaster again the next day. I thought I made myself clear, he says. You did, sir, I reply and point at the sign. After a long silence, a calm face palm, and a long, I don't get paid enough for this sigh, he relents and I give him a crepe on the house. He also suggested I become a lawyer. Oh, get ready for this one. From r slash nuclear revenge, posted by adorable-work8442, I blew up a romance scammer's life.
This one is fresh and still unfolding, but it's already hit an explosive level. Some details, intentionally vague. Context. I'm a woman in my 30s with a reasonably good corporate type job and a feel with lots of room for growth and am recently back into the dating scene after a decade. I'm kind of a would be a 10 if she lost 30 pounds looking girl. Beautiful face if a bit chubby, but I never have issues getting a date. LOL. I'm not well off, but I'm stable and have a bit of spending money. I live in a large multicultural city and my ex was an immigrant, so I'm open to dating people of any origin. If it wasn't abundantly clear, this bit about my appearance is a joke and only speaks to his failure to select an appropriate victim. I don't care what people think about how I look. What happened? A few weeks ago, I met a very charming man from a Latin American country, only a couple of years younger than me. Seemed very sweet, cuddly, intelligent, family-oriented, emotionally available, educated, and in a good profession back home in his country, and had a lot in common with me. Chemistry seemed amazing inside and outside the bedroom. He was honest that he was in my country on a tourist visa, but hoping to stay. I made it clear I wouldn't be able to help him with that, but we'd have a fun summer fling while he was here. If he managed to stay or come back, only then would we consider a real relationship. Then the other shoe dropped. A couple of weeks and four dates in, during a text conversation about my work, he asked me to be his sugar mommy. I initially laughed and assumed it was a joke. He kept pushing and clearly said it wasn't. Of course, feeling insulted by this, I went off on him. He maintained it as a serious ask until I hit a nerve with my complaints about how embarrassed he should be to ask me that. Then he got angry and insulted me for thinking he was serious about it. No apology for being hurtful to me. Obviously, what I did next was take screenshots and cry about it to my closest friends. I was hurt that I was fooled into thinking he liked me and that he thought I needed to pay for a man. My friends started the fuse on what happened next. One of my friends started snooping more on his online presence. Together, we found about six different Instagram accounts of him that were using different variations of his name and different photos of himself, all uploaded in batches. On Facebook, a similar pattern, all very scammy and suspicious looking. He'd been foolish enough on one of his profiles to follow and tag the employer that he was working for illegally on his tourist visa in my country. So I contacted another close friend in local law enforcement and he works with immigration. She looked up his file and he had a wife and daughter at home. I release the hounds after that. The friends who helped me investigate online made several group chats on multiple platforms with all of his family, immediate and extended, and friends. She released the screenshots as well as a rant about how shameful it was. As they started blocking her, she added more people. I found his sister's phone number. She sent her messages on there too. Everyone he knows, including his wife, knows he's unfaithful and trying to take advantage of women. 30 minutes after the online bombardment started, I got a rude message from him about how I should be smart enough to know he was joking and how he doesn't need to sell himself. I didn't reply. Next step, online immigration reporting form with all the info we found. Work info, employer name and address, his home address, full name, date of birth, photos, screenshots, admitting to working. Usually these reports take months to be reviewed, if at all but I gave the file number to my law enforcement friend. 
Two days later, law enforcement paid him a visit. They found him with a phone number that was issued to a local resident. All his roommates also had numbers issued to the same person, a direct link to the employer. He received a caution for trying to scam me, a no-contact order, and a flag on his immigration file that based on his country of origin will likely mean he can never return, as well as a strict warning to not work without authorization. His roommates also received warnings. His employer received a visit next. They found significant proof that they'd been employing him illegally as well as multiple other people. Their investigation is still ongoing, but so far, they are likely to receive tens of thousands in fines or possible jail time. The guy isn't getting deported because the government would have to pay for it and proceedings take longer than his remaining visa time, but he's now upgraded from a flagged file to a multi-year ban on re-entry to my country. If he bothers me again, though, he will be deported as well. Hope he enjoys going back to his angry wife and the ridicule from everyone he knows. See you again never! This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So this one clock it in from r slash malicious compliance posted by user TSS Carmel. Upper management of the sports club fires me and cripples their kitchen. So I'm a professional chef and I have been for a few years. And in Australia, apprentice chefs are trained in sort of college where we learn about 150 recipes. Now, many of the recipes are provided to the students in bulky, finicky booklets that you wouldn't really want to take anywhere with you. So I started writing some of the recipes in a separate notebook along with some of the other recipes I'd learned from coworkers or family members and created sort of a pseudo cookbook. And I'd often bring this book into the kitchen so I would remember ingredients and quantities and cooking times. And eventually I would leave the book in the kitchen pretty much around the clock. What I soon found out was that some of the other chefs in the kitchen were using my cookbook to check official recipes for the restaurant we worked for, as typically the head chef would have to tell them, and this got annoying for everyone. And this restaurant was part of a popular sports club in the local area, so consistency was extremely important to the management. As such, having a written record of the new recipes or changes to longtime recipes was very important. As it turned out, management had stopped making changes to the official club recipe book a few months before I even started. So my book became the de facto official recipe book. For a while, this was no issue to me, and I kept adding new recipes to it throughout the next few years. 
However, after my third year working there, I finished my studies and became fully qualified as a chef, so I suddenly became more expensive to keep on as a staff member, and as such, management started looking for any reason to replace me with a new apprentice. Eventually, they found someone to replace me and gave me some reason for firing me and told me to, quote, take all my things and leave, as I could no longer offer what they were looking for. So, I took everything I owned. For a few days, not a whole lot happened. But slowly, the club's reviews started complaining about bland food, dry cakes, inconsistent classic recipes, and every other food-related thing you could think of. At one point, there was 50 negative reviews in a single day, which for our own town was a massive amount of negative reviews in one day. It felt pretty good since I felt they deserved it, and it left me unemployed on short notice. However, I was quickly offered a new job by a smaller restaurant whose owner knew me from the sports club kitchen. The malicious compliance. After about a week, I received multiple calls, and after answering one, I heard from one of the higher managers at the sports club asking if I could return the book as the kitchen needed it back. I obviously laughed and said firmly that it was my book full of recipes, so it wasn't going anywhere near them, reminding them that they told me that I could no longer offer what they were looking for. The manager clearly began to panic as he offered to give me my job back and just let bygones be bygones. I already had a new job, so I completely brushed off the offer and ignored him. I hung up pretty soon after that. I started putting the recipes for my book on the new restaurant's menu, and it was beginning to attract a few regular customers of the sports club. So I quickly found myself with more and more responsibility and command within the kitchen, to the point that about a third of the menu was from my book. Now this slow trickle of sports club regulars picked up speed after about three months and led to several high-level managers from the club deciding to visit the restaurant I'd helped build and virtually demanded them I give them my cookbook, claiming it would be much more beneficial for the community if they had it. My head chef laughed in their faces. It's been about two years and my head chef and I have a very positive relationship and the customer base we have at the restaurant is better than ever. We didn't take every customer from the big club, but it was big enough to damage their profits and scare off a few investors. And it also led to a bit of damage to one of the higher managers' reputations. Furthermore, the recipe issues and negative reviews led to the majority of the kitchen quitting. And according to one of my old colleagues, they cited the lack of support and organization from upper management as the final reason everyone was quitting. And this led to an even larger dip in the quality of the restaurant food. I also get paid significantly more at this restaurant than I was at the sports club. Taking a break from the revenge files and malicious compliance, let's dive into r slash tales from retail posted by user H.A. Nielsen. Old lady bought an electric scooter. This is more of a wholesome story, which involves no Karen or Chad screaming or having a tantrum. While I have encountered customers like these, that's a tale for another post. I wasn't directly involved in this as I was busy with something else, but I was able to witness the event and later I was told the rest. I worked at a small store that sold electric scooters. This was back in 2018 when they were still new to most people. At our store, we had a couple of demo models that our customers could test ride. 
We then had an old lady at the store who seemed to be about 70 to 75 years old. And she had seen another customer test riding a scooter and she was eager to ride one herself. My boss gave the old lady an introduction on how everything works, the brakes, steering, etc. The old lady stormed away at full speed. My boss's jaw dropped. Did she just put her weak old lady on a potentially dangerous scooter? Is she gonna lose control, crash, get seriously injured or even worse? Luckily, that didn't happen. 30 seconds later, the old lady was coming back with the biggest smile on her face. I'll take it. That's right, we just sold her an electric scooter. For those who are curious, it's a Ninebot ES1. We unboxed and assembled her new scooter and helped her get through the required app. She then had us take a picture of her proudly on her new scooter because she was going to send that to her grandkids. We then thanked her for her purchase and waved our goodbyes before she stormed off on her new scooter. And you may think the story ends there. It doesn't. She returned a week later to tell us the rest. After she purchased her new scooter, she had been riding around until she drained the battery. So she called her friend to pick her up. Just to be clear, those scooters do come about 50 to 60% charged from the factory. She just had so much fun. She'd been riding around for several hours. The battery was flat. So that was the tale of the sweet old lady, and I will always remember that. I ride these scooters on my spare time, and I still meet people who ask questions about the speed, range, etc. Often they're telling me these things are for younger people, and they're too old for an electric scooter. When they tell me that, I tell them the tale about the old lady who bought a scooter. Our final story is from r slash tech support, posted by user Marank00. The printer is not working. I work as an IT support team lead. We have a typical office building of a few floors. Each floor has its own printer. On one hectic day, I'm trying to do inventory on the IT department's floor. I'm in the middle of scrounging for all sorts of technical assets that my barcode reader can get its filthy red line onto, when suddenly I hear the audible sound of high heels clacking on the floor, and by the sounds of it, lost. The person opened a random door that happened to belong to the brand new director of Infrastructure Bureau and exclaimed that their floor printer was not working. The director, confused, sent the person down the hall saying that maybe you'll have more luck there. They turned the corner and looked at me, still lost. I asked them what was wrong with the printer. Did it show any error codes or anything along those lines? The answer wasn't annoying. I don't know. It hasn't worked for the past four years. Now, I'm confused. There aren't any broken printers on that person's floor, not to mention the whole building. I asked them to show me the process of them printing a file. We go to their office, they log in, and are immediately faced with an overcrowded desktop. Alas, that's not the issue at hand. They open up Microsoft Word and they write in test, saves and then closes the document. They start getting up from their chair and try to bring me the printer. I add, all right, now we just need to print it. They look at me even more confused. I just did? The file should be printing right now if the printer worked. In short, I sit them down, Introduce them to the printing function and leave, wondering how it is possible that they haven't needed a print before four years, 
only to conclude that the printer that is wearing daily with documents must be broken. We really appreciate you being with us on today's show. The RR Show is a production of Evergreen Podcast and Wessler Media. Now, if you'd be so kind, follow or subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And if you also haven't done already, please leave us a very nice five-star review. Thanks, Mom. Also, for more, you can visit rrshow.com. That's rrshow.com. I'm your host, Vince. My producer, Kevin, thank you. We'll see you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.